We're in our third lesson of the From Now On series, and and I want to, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to take some notes in your service guide. There's an opportunity to take some notes and use a phone, use an iPad, use a computer. God took notes one time on two tablets of stone, and if that's your preferred method, go for it. Try to keep the noise down if you would, please. Thank you. Other than that, let's, let's, let's just take some notes. It helps us. It helps us to remember and to reference back to what it is that we have learned. We're talking about this series, this concept of from now on. It's a, we're talking about a line in the sand, a, a, a line of demarcation that says, we did it this way before, this is what happened before, this is what's gone on before, but from this particular moment forward, it's gonna be different. We're gonna do it different, it's gonna act different, it's gonna feel different. How we respond to things is gonna be different from now on. We're making a change, and it's not gonna be like it was before, it's gonna be something new, something different, something, something that is going to change the methodology that we've operated in. In my life, I had a from now on moment years ago. Uh, I was, uh, we, were, we had lived in Hawaii and we were eating very healthy and, and, and fresh fish all the time and, and just uh, easy to get, you know, and, and, and food was expensive, so we ate less just overall. Uh, we couldn't afford to eat a lot. In, in fact, uh, milk, uh, you know, sometimes you'd, you'd pay regularly, it'd be before, between four and five dollars a gallon for a gallon of milk. Um, and then sometimes it'd shoot up to like seven dollars a gallon. So, you know, when the kids wanted milk, we'd be like, milk is your dessert, bud. Um, <laughs> if it's not in cereal, it's dessert. And so, and so, Anyway, we went from that to moving to Houston, Texas. And in Houston, Texas, you can pay just a tiny, you know, you throw two pennies on the, on the, on the table and they give you a whole cow. That's how that works in Houston. And it's a, it, it, just a whole lot more food for a whole lot less money. And so, and so, you know, I was enjoying that. And the Lord was enlarging my territory. And, uh, and, and I, was, uh, I, was, I was just expanding things in life, and um, personally speaking. And so... Uh, we got to a place where I told Christy one day, I said, I'm going to have to enlarge my ring and we're going to have to get some more pants uh, because, you know, it's not fun to be uncomfortable in the pants you're wearing. And, and if the Lord's going to enlarge my territory, then I need some pants that fit for that. And so uh, I was in a size 38 pant and we were going to be moving forward from there. And, and I looked into rings and I realized it was going to take a few dollars to put that, get that ring enlarged. And so I thought... You know, all right, let's start saving, make it happen. And, but on the, on the way to the office one day, we, where we lived and where the office was was about 40 minutes and, uh, to that particular campus. And so I was on the way there, and, and as I was driving, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I don't say that often, and I don't say that lightly, but in this moment, I, I believe that that's exactly what happened because the words that popped into my head were this. You are asking people to follow you in areas of life, in the spiritual things of life, and the areas of life that they cannot see, when everything in, the, in your life that they can see indicates that you are undisciplined and cannot control your own appetites. And I'm not saying that's what the Lord's saying to you. I said, I'm telling you that's what the Lord said to me. And I called Christy that day and I said, don't order me more pants. I'm not enlarging this ring I'm going to make this body fit into the pants that I have and the ring that I already have. And that day, it was a from now on moment for me. I changed my uh, diet. I, I exercised, started exercising regularly, and I started moving forward. And today, I'm in the same size pants I got married in almost 25 years ago. 
and I've maintained that. Oh, okay, you can clap if you want to, it's all right. The, uh, uh, the, uh, I didn't anticipate that when I thought to tell the story, but in the first service they clapped and in this service, so apparently that is something worth applauding and I'm, I'm personally happy about it. And uh, it was a from now on moment, but it, it meant that I had to change a bunch of stuff in my life because, because how it had been working couldn't be how it kept working if I was going to achieve what God was calling me and what I believe I was called to achieve. Now, we have a couple of action steps on the table. Action step number one was let God move your story forward. Let him move your story forward. Last week, we talked about action step number two, move from common to uncommon by following God's directions and when we talk about following God's directions, it also requires, it often rather requires a movement from us. It requires us to change location. Now I want us to remember the text and we're gonna look back at the text for a moment, but let's recall that the book of Acts is a continual story from the book of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke and Luke wrote the book of Acts and Acts is the continuation of the story. It, this is like the first chapter, first 12 verses of the first chapter of the book of Acts is kind of like a Netflix series where at the beginning of the next episode of the series, they do a, a recap and it's saying this is what's going on, this is what the setup is. And so Acts 1, 1 through 12 is a recap of what's been happening, and he takes, picks up from Luke 24. So let's lo- read Luke 24 first. It says, Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Now, this is not a trick question, okay? First service, I think they thought I was trying to trick them, not tricking anybody here. Where were they when Jesus ascended into heaven that we just read? Jesus led them to Bethany. Excellent. This is a very fast service. Y'all are, y'all are right ahead of the class. Okay. Acts chapter number one now, and we're picking up from Luke 24. And verse number four says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they were in Bethany, but where did Jesus say they would be when they received the promise of the Father? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Absolutely brilliant. 100%. So they had to go from Bethany to Jerusalem to receive the promise of the Father, to receive the fulfillment of the promise. They had seen Jesus, they had heard his commandments, they had, they had followed him, and they had even followed him to Bethany. They had seen, they heard, etc., but they were not yet positioned to receive the promise of the Father. In order for them to receive the promise of the Father, which Jesus described as being baptized with the Holy Spirit, they had to change their position by themselves to Jerusalem. They had to walk from Bethany to Jerusalem. And here's our big idea today, if you're taking notes. From now on, moments always require a change in position. In position. 
You see that all through Scripture. Look all the way back at Genesis in Adam, the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They sinned. They ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't eat of that tree. And, and they decided to eat of that tree anyway. And so now what God says is, from now on, you will not live in the Garden of Eden. And so they are removed from the Garden of Eden. And from that point forward, everything shifted, everything changed. They had a from now on moment, and it physically moved them out of the Garden into the rest of the world. You look at it again, the calling of the, of the man by the name of Abram, who would become Abraham, who is the, the patriarch, the forefather to both the, the Israeli Jews and, and, and also to the Palestinian people, to the Arab people. He's the father of both tribes, Ishmael and Isaac. And now you have him being called by God. God says, I'm calling you. You're going to be my, my special people. I'm choosing your family to do a special work. And then the first thing God says to him is, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your kindred. That's all of your associated family members and your father's house. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And so it's a physical movement that God is requiring from Abram in order for him to participate in the promise that God had for his life. You have it even further. You have the story of Jesus coming to this earth where the father says, hey, from now on, I've been working with a certain family, a certain group of people, and with certain laws and commandments, but now Everyone who wants to be saved will have an opportunity to enjoy relationship with me through a Savior. But there is no Savior on this earth that can do what needs to be done. So I'm sending my Son from heaven to earth to be a sacrifice for the people that want to be saved, that want that relationship with me. And so Jesus makes his transition from heaven to earth to become our Savior. And you and I, whenever we are saved, we make a transition. We are those who do not have God, do not have the relationship with the Father, and then we allow Jesus to become our Lord and Savior, and in that moment, we transition from being those without God to those who call the Father our Father. Now it's no longer the Father, but our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Suddenly he goes, relationally we transition from not knowing him to him being family. It always requires a change in position. It's not enough to just have a change in profession. It must be a change in position. And so from now on moments always require this. And, and here's our issue. Human nature turns moments into monuments. We will take a moment in time and we will, we will build a monument to that moment. And sometimes we just can't seem to move on from there in life. We have it in many different ways. Think about it. How, how many of you know, how many of you can remember where you were, who you were with, or maybe even what you were wearing when the first person that ever asked you out on a date asked you out on a date? Anybody remember that? Okay, for several people in this service, in the first service, no one remembered that. No one. And, and if you were the one, I was the one doing the asking, and I remember exactly where it was because I was very nervous. 
I walked up to the girl. She was standing in the foyer or the hallway of the church. I walked up to her. Her name was Madeline. And I said, Madeline, do you want to go out with me? She said, yes, I do. I said, great. We turned around and walked away from another and didn't talk to each other again. I think I was six or something like that. Very disturbing moment. I didn't really handle that well. Uh, I don't even know what our date was, but probably wasn't that exciting. But it was, uh, yeah, it was nerve-wracking. I can remember it even now to this day. How about, can you remember where you were? And I hope you can remember who were you with, who you were with when someone proposed to you or you proposed. Anybody remember that? Okay, more people, that's good. If you don't know who you were with when you were proposed to, that's a problem in your life, and you need to work on that. Um, if you don't know who you were with when you were proposing, you are probably drunk, but let's not talk about that. I shouldn't have said that in church. I apologize. We live in a real world. Okay. Um, how many remember where you were, who you, you were with whenever you were saved? That's a beautiful moment in life, and you remember that. And how about if you were called into something, a ministry or a business, and you just knew that was the direction of your life? I can remember that. I can remember I was 12 years old. It was Kinston, North Carolina. The building doesn't exist anymore because the church transitioned to another place and that building was used, it turned into something else. But I can remember on, if you're standing on the stage, it was about the fourth or fifth row on the right-hand side and, and it was a red pew and on red carpet because that's what every church's colors were at the time. And so, uh, and so I, I remember that, that day that I knew from that day forward I was called to be in ministry. It didn't mean I always lived up to that calling at that point, but I knew that that was the direction of my life. The place of a monument holds value for us, and sometimes we can develop a very unique sense of nostalgia about that place. In fact, when I was last in Baton Rouge, where a lot of my family and all of us are from, then uh, I, I took this picture, these pictures rather, of my grandparents' graves. And one of them there for Alfred and Dorothy, Dorothy's kind of cut off, she's my nanal. And the reason why it's not where it ought to be, and I didn't even realize it at the time, was because I was crying. I was remembering them. And I was remembering moments with them and, and, and the monument to their life right here uh, was before me. And it made the moment very poignant and very personal and and I have a lot of nostalgia about their lives. And when I, when I approached the monuments, it, it caused memories to flood my mind and my heart in ways that I hadn't really experienced for some time. And after years of them being gone, standing at Nano and Papa's grave and, and my mama there in the bottom right, that's, that's her grave, my father's mom. My, my father's father is at the top right, and I never knew him. He died when my dad was 17. And so I don't have memories of him. I just have stories of him. His name was Troy. But when I stood there at the graves of those that I knew, it, it caused me to have all kinds of emotion. And, and sometimes in our lives, we build these monuments and maybe they're not physical monuments like this, but they're mental monuments, they're emotional monuments. They are spiritual monuments. And they're monuments that have great 
purpose to us and, 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 and all kinds of monuments can be built, monuments of, uh, to things that hurt us, monuments to things that helped us, monuments to people and things and ideas that, that helped us move forward or even pulled us back and just monuments of all kinds. Some people have monuments that are literally positions. I, I know people, and, and, and if the camera can follow me, I, I know people who, who got saved while kneeling down, and now they just really feel like anytime they kneel down, they get in closer touch with God. But if they're not kneeling down, they feel like, well, they don't hear from God quite as clearly because that was the position they were in when they got saved, and so it has a certain specialness to it that no other position could have. Or how about mental and emotional positions? We, we, we felt a particular way or we, we thought we were thinking a particular thing when something very good or something very bad happened to us. And we built a monument there. In the first service, a lady told me that, that uh, years ago, she's 75 years old, but when she had her first child, she, she had an alarm clock that every morning woke her up to the sound of a particular song. And, and today, many years later, when she hears that song, she automatically gets nauseous because every morning she would wake up to that song and morning sickness and leap up out of the bed and go vomit in the toilet. And to this day, she said, when I hear that song, I get sick to my stomach. I suggested maybe she's having another baby, but she did not believe me in that. I said, hey, it happened to Sarah. I don't know. I'm just saying. How about doctrinal positions? I don't mean positions that the Bible says this is what it is. I mean positions that have been added by different faith traditions that were taught to you and I. We have people in our congregation from every kind of faith tradition. And how many of us know there's been a, a, a little sprinkling of stuff added in almost every faith tradition? And maybe it's been shovelfuls in some faith traditions. But stuff's been added, and, and yet, because it's how we were taught it from day one, it, it's how we understand it even now. Again, I'm not talking about what the Bible says. I'm talking about that extraneous teaching like the Pharisees adding all kinds of laws to the laws that God provided. How about a structural or decor position? I know folks that have left the church because the piano changed from one side of the platform to the other. If that is your biggest problem, you need to get a bigger life. I'm just going to tell you straight up. <laughs> Pastor Micah, that is really good preaching right there. And... <laughs> But things can become so specific to us that, that we build a monument to something. How about worship styles? Yeah, I'm going to look at you like you're looking at me. <laughs> One day I was talking to a guy who I respect in, in the Lord, and we were talking about worshiping and, and personal prayer time. And, and he said, yeah, I, I was talking about how I love to turn on music and blast it really loud. And, and it, it, it's a blessing to me to worship in that, in that fashion. And he said, yeah, that's how I feel. I turn on thousand foot crutch and I, I think that's what it's called. And I just love worshiping the Lord to that. And I've never heard, in my life heard of it. And so I turned it on and, it's, and I was like, this is his worship music? 
And it is his worship music. And praise the Lord, it's his worship music. But, but I, you know, I grew up when, in, when it was the electric piano. The Spirit of the Lord moved when the EP would play. That's how it worked. Okay, y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but it is true. Things, we build monuments to things. Here's the thing, your connection to a monument is determined by the power of the experience. So the greater the experience, the more attachment you have. Think about Peter, Paul, Peter, James, and John, rather. They go to the mountain with Jesus, and while they're on the mountain with Jesus, they look up, and before them, Elijah, Elijah and Moses are talking to Jesus. And so they see Elijah, Jesus, and Moses, and, and it's the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and they are blown away. And Peter gets all excited He's like, look at this moment, look at this time, look at this. And this is what he says. He says, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He's saying, let us never forget this moment, this time. Let's build a memorial here. Let's build a monument here. Let's make sure everybody for all time knows what happened here right now in this moment, in this place. And the father interrupts Peter. He completely interrupts, doesn't even let him keep talking. And he says, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The father's like, no, you're, you're missing it. It's not about this place. It's not about this time period. It's not even about Elijah and Moses. It's about my son, Jesus. Listen to him. Do what he says. The point isn't, the point isn't to live here. The point is to follow his direction onward. So you have the disciples hearing this from the Father, and you have, you have Jesus telling them to go to Jerusalem. And yet in Acts chapter 1, verse number 10, this is what we find. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and they're, they're watching him ascend into heaven. And it says, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them and saying, Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. They are standing there straining in the physical world, trying to see into the spiritual world and the angels. God had to send angels to them to say, hey, don't stop here. Go do what you were told to do. Don't stop here. Go follow the direction that Jesus gave you. Peter wanted to build a monument on the Mount of Transfiguration. Can you imagine the monument he would have built at the place in Bethany where Jesus ascended into heaven? The, the, the angels were like, don't stay here, move forward, move forward. Why did they need to move? Why do you need to move? Why do I need to move? Why do any of us need to move from the place of the monument and onward in life? Here's why. Maturity requires movement. Maturity requires movement. Think about it whenever you are a young person growing up and, and you, all of us have had somebody in our life that put a pin in a moment in our life and we never went any further from there. Our relationship with them never matured. You met them at 12, they knew you at 12, they liked you at 12, and at 12 you have stayed for the rest of your life. They talk to you like you're 12, they, you're 41 now, but they talk to you like you're 12 and, 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 and they try to explain things like you're 12. Your, your relationship was never able to move 
further. You have the opportunity, you have the desire, you, you, you can, and in most ways you have. But every time you return to their presence, you're 12 again. It's never matured. Now, it's bad when somebody else does it. It's worse when we do it to ourselves. When we build a monument in a moment and we're 55 years old and the, the stories that we tell of when we were awesome in high school. I hope you were the champion, champion of everything you ever did. I hope you were the best in every department. I hope you, had the, you, you were a scholar and an amazing athlete. I hope it was all. And if you're 55 years old, I hope you're talking about things more recent than that. But we all know the one who built the monument. And they've never gone further. Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples are standing there in the place where he was. Staring, straining, trying to figure out what to do now and, and, and just get another glimpse of him where he was while he told them to go to where he would be. Move your position, he was saying. How many today are standing where we last saw Jesus? We're, we're trying to recreate a moment and a feeling and a, and a thought process and, and a relationship with somebody and a, and a relationship with a church or a relationship with a... Uh, that, that used to be. It was at one time. And now you've built a monument there and, and you're struggling to move on. Now, here, here's the thing. Sometimes people want us to denigrate other faith traditions. They want to speak badly of other faith traditions or even other Christian faith traditions. And we won't do that. I'm grateful that people find Jesus in many Christian faith traditions. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I did. You did. We all did. And at some point, though, we have to continue to move forward. We have to continue to move forward. Sometimes people will come to Five Lakes Church and say, hey, why can't we be more like the church I just left? Why did you leave it if it was awesome and all that? Okay, that's my question. But what they're saying, what they're really saying, and, this, and I'm saying it in a humorous manner, I think, but what they're really saying is, hey, listen, I've got some monuments that were built there, and I really like them. And while I really like a lot of what's going on here, I'd like to transition my monument over here, if we can, please, and, and, and experience that kind of thing and experience that feeling, and, and maybe we can put the piano on that side of the stage again, if you don't mind, and, and I'm playing with that. Please understand, I'm not, I'm, trying not to, I'm not trying to be mean. The monument is built, and they're wanting to move the monument from one place to another I celebrate the revelation you've received wherever you've received it. And I celebrate the revelation that I received wherever I received it. But as we walk forward together, here's what I would encourage us in. God designed your relationship with him to be ever maturing. Our, our job is to continue to move forward, not to stop at the monument. God told Israel to build monuments all over the land. But they didn't live there. They continued to move forward in their life. They continued to move forward as God 
guided them. And here's the greatest danger with monuments. It's often we can turn monuments into idols. And we can say things like, huh, if you don't pray in the position that I pray, it's not the right kind of prayer. If you don't express your worship in the same exact way I express my worship, it's not the right kind of worship. If you don't say thus and thou like I say thus and thou, it's not the right thuses and thous. We, we turn our, our, our attention off of the king of kings and turn it on to the monument. And at best, it becomes our focus. And at worst, we impress our monument on other people and say things like, to know God, you have to do this just like me. Now, I want to be very clear again. I'm not talking about what the scripture says. I'm talking about the monuments that we have built to our own experience as we've been walking through our journey in Christ. Am I being clear? Okay. At least for about 30% of us, I'm being clear. And maturity demands movement. Many have taken steps of faith today and, and, taken, and they've moved in baptism. And I celebrate that. Throughout the last couple of weeks, people have shared with me that for some, this is the first year that you've participated in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. It, it's a movement that you're making in your spiritual journey. And I just, I salute that. I, I, I honor that. It's, I'm so excited for you. That you've made the decision to take these steps of faith in your Christian walk. It's movement on your part. But we have to remember that God's not calling us to be like, like anyone. God's not calling us to be like you and God's not calling us to be like me. God's calling all of us to be like Jesus. He's, he's the example that we're all trying to follow and become the image of. And so we move closer and closer to him. And that requires steps. What's your next step today? What, what's the step that God is calling you? Maybe away from a monument in your life, a, a, a monument of understanding or a monument of, of the way it's always been or the monument the way you grew up or, or the monument of you name it, it's the monument of, uh, uh, of something in your life that, that plays such a, a vital part and a vital piece and you're nostalgic about it when it's missing. You do miss it and, and, and you want to bring everything back to it. God did not call you to live there. He didn't call you to live there as the next step. Sometimes people struggle, I said this last week, sometimes people struggle with the idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit or being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that's exactly what Jesus said the, the promise of the Father was. I mean, it's literally his own words, and, and we can struggle with that for many different reasons, but I would say that even the disciples themselves would have struggled with that. They would have struggled with that standing in Bethany. Because Jesus had said, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they didn't know what that was. They didn't know what that looked like. They didn't know what that felt like. They didn't know what that would be. They didn't know what that experience would entail. They didn't know, they didn't know what it would require of them. They, they didn't know anything really about what being baptized in the Holy Spirit was. And so if you ask them in Bethany, hey, what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, and, and you know, can you explain all that? They just said, no. And as long as we stay in Bethany... 
There's a lot of experiences in Christ that we're not going to be able to explain, understand, participate in, receive, whatever the case may be, because it requires movement. And when the disciples moved from Bethany to Jerusalem, suddenly they opened themselves up to experiencing whatever the Father had for them. And can we just agree that if the Father promises us something, it's never going to be for our detriment. It's always going to be for our good. And so he calls them. Movement is scary, though. Whatever the movement is that God's calling you into in your life right now, it can be scary. There's some people who need to move to the next level of maturity in their marriage. But you're scared to leave what is. What is is comfortable. Oh, you, you know what could, you, at least you have some idea of what could be. You, you know what might become. But it's hard to walk away from what exists right now. How about a relationship with our kids? As we, as, our, as we age and as our kids age, our relationship with our children must shift and, and morph and it needs to mature, but, but it's hard as a parent to, to let our, our relationship with our kids mature because I, I don't know what it's going to look like, I don't know what it's going to feel like, I don't know what it's going to sound like, and I don't know what it's going to require of me, and it's hard It's hard as a father of adult kids, it's hard to see them making choices that I wouldn't necessarily make. That's what I want to do, but I can't. I can't do that because I've got to let the, the, I've got to let the relationship mature. And and I want to say stop, but, but see there's potential there. And it's scary, but if I let it mature, couldn't it be awesome? How about we need our business or our career to mature, but we're afraid of moving from what is, the potential's there, but the struggle with what it would look like, feel like, be like, what it would look like to move from this season into our next in in our careers and in our business, that's kind of scary. And what will it require of us? Many of us need our relationship with Jesus to mature, and we desire what it could be. But what will it require? It's scary to think about. So do monuments have any value? The answer is absolutely yes. I I showed you the pictures of my grandparents' grave. They have great, great value to me. But those monuments were built to people who have already lived their life, run their race, they died, and now they are enjoying their heavenly reward. I have not yet finished my race. So if I stop at the memorial to their life, I will never live my life. If I stop at the memorial I built at 12 years old, that, that memorial, I remember it like it was yesterday. I could picture it in my mind. But if I stop there, I'll never do what I'm doing right now. I'll be so focused on being what it was back then. I don't know what the memorial is that you've raised in your life. But I can tell you this, that as I'm pushing in the spirit and as I'm pushing with this sermon against the memorial and saying, hey, enjoy the memorial, celebrate the memorial, and move on, continue to walk in the path God has for you. There's a couple of different responses to that. The natural response is to become defensive, to make excuses, to avoid it, to fight the move. 
you, you, you might attack, go on the attack. If you're a fight or flight person, ever, all of us are fight or flight, so if you're a fight get person, then you might be attacking and you might be saying, yeah, but everybody knows Micah's an idiot. So he's saying these things, but it really doesn't matter because, I mean, look at him. Some days I would agree with you. How about the defensive side? Don't push me. Don't, don't try to tell me. Back off, dude. How about the excuse side? Well, see, the reason why it's right for me is because my grandmama, my great-grandmama, and my great-great-great-grandmama. How about, I tell you what, I got this monument, and if you won't build this monument in this church, I'll go find a, mon a church that will build that monument in it. find a faith family that just believes the important things are important. I've heard that a few times. Or here's our action step today. Action step is mature your relationship by rejecting excuses to move forward. I'm not telling us to move forward from the word of God. I'm saying move forward from our own excuses. Enjoy the monument, respect the monument, and then walk from Bethany to Jerusalem. Who knows what God could do with your life? I don't know what Jerusalem holds for you, but if it's the promise of the Father, it's only gonna benefit and bless your life. Would you bow your heads with me right now and prayer partners, would you come forward? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word today. I, I pray that you would Bring to our minds those monuments that have held us. The ones that we have, we've established somewhere in our life and we've just never moved forward from it. We haven't been open to you leading us from Bethany to Jerusalem because we built a monument in Bethany and, and we just can't move forward. Maybe it's a monument to somebody that hurt us. And we just won't allow ourselves to trust anymore because somebody hurt us before and that monument has a hold in our life. Maybe it's to somebody who blessed us and it will never be good again because that situation has moved on. And the monument is so strong that we cannot receive any further blessing. Wherever it may be in our lives, Father, I pray that as you have called us to follow Jesus, and as Jesus has called us to move from Bethany to Jerusalem to receive your promise, I pray that we would have the courage and the wisdom to make that journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Let our lives be a testimony of your promise. And if that's your prayer, could everybody say amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Prayer partners are here in the front. If you need or ready to be prayed for, for anything in your life, I just invite you to come forward and let's pray for you. Let's worship the Lord in closing of this service.